Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. All right. Um, last week, we started, well, we started, we're in the middle of this uh, Love God, Love People uh, sermon series, as well as we're learning to love within our small groups. And last week's uh, message, we did Learn to Love Session 5 in the message series, so it doubled up as, uh, or sorry, we did session four, and it doubled up and acted as both. It was the message on the weekend, as well as the video uh, for your small groups. And this week will be no different. So this week we're going to do session five, staying connected to Jesus, and it's going to work right along with that Learn to Love series, as well as the Love God, Love People uh, series. And then, of course, uh, we still have Family Midweek online. We're hearing good feedback from that. Um, so you can continue joining us there as well. And what are we doing? We are learning to love as a church. And Chris, uh, he mentioned our, our, that mission statement again, that love God, love people, be disciple to make disciples. And, you know, you might be wondering again, I want to remind you why we're learning to love. Uh, first, loving God and loving people is the highest calling in Scripture. But I've actually found even once we go into discipleship, when we lay it on the foundation of love, discipleship actually works much better. It is way easier to lead people on a journey and on a process when they feel loved. And this shouldn't be a surprise to us because is this not what Jesus does with us? Right? He loves us exactly where we are and it's his love that wins us over. It's the love of God. His kindness leads us to repentance. Think about that. His kindness leads us to repentance. That means kindness leads us to wanting to turn away from our lives and to follow him wholeheartedly. And then he says, as I've loved you, you also are to go and love uh, one another. And that's really what we've been focusing on. Um, so last week we looked at love your neighbor, which is actually the second uh, command. It's, I mean, it's all part of the, the greatest command, which is love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, and, and then it says, this is the great and first commandment, but the second, which is like it is love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, last week, we looked at the Good Samaritan story, and then we looked at the three steps for how do we love our neighbor. Remember, we said, listen and empathize rather than what? Speak. And then it was encourage rather than correct. Some of you are, th- are saying, oh, oh, I forgot that. <laughs> I forgot the first word, and I was defaulting on the second word uh, this week. That's okay. There's mercy and love and grace for all of that. We're all on a journey of growing. And the last one was meet the needs as the Holy Spirit directs. So that's what we looked at. Love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Everyone you encounter. But then we remembered that Jesus targeted the least of these. And that's what I want to challenge us as a church. Because I think it's easy to say love your neighbor is everyone I encounter. Well, as long as I'm loving a good handful of people, maybe that's good enough. I get that feeling. But I think human nature says we're going to automatically default then to start loving those who are easy to love. And I will tell you, I I just want to really, really emphasize this. Light shines the brightest in darkness. That is just how it works. Light always shines the brightest in darkness. And we are called to go out into the world, into the dark places. Into the places where there's the hurting and the minorities and and the marginalized and the oppressed and sinners, just like Jesus did. And it sometimes made the Pharisees upset, obviously, because he eats and drinks with sinners. Does he not know? And Jesus knew exactly who he was going for. He was going for the least of these, those who recognize their need for a savior. So that's our call. Now, going back to that last point we said last week, meet the needs as the Holy Spirit directs. This can be easy, can't it? 
I mean, if it's someone you care about or a neighbor or a stranger or someone who's nice, right? Oh, they're a really good person. Maybe I don't know them very well. You're going to go make them a meal. Is that a good thing to do? Yes. Right? Maybe you give them some clothes. We do lots of that as a church, food and clothing. That's wonderful. Wonderful way to meet the needs. Or maybe you go and send an encouraging text or take someone out for coffee. Those are really, really, really good things. And you'll even find in many cases they charge you up and bring you life. But again, where it gets really difficult is when we start going out and we try to love people that are difficult to love. So I want to pause for a second and I want you to think. I want you to think about someone close to you. Maybe they're close to you. Maybe they're not that close to you. Who has been hurting you. Maybe someone who doesn't agree with you on something that you think is very, very important. You just can't get on the same page. Maybe it's someone who has insulted you or slandered you. They've gossiped. They've said horrible things behind your back that weren't just and weren't fair. I want you to think, is it easy to listen and empathize with them? Is it easy to encourage rather than correct them? And is it easy to want to joyfully meet the need as the Holy Spirit directs in their life? The answer is no, it's not easy. It's hard. In fact, I would dare say it's impossible. And that's why I feel, com- I feel confident that's, that it's impossible because Jesus even said the main sign that you were going to be a follower of his was going to be marked by your love for other people. And it's not just going to be the love for those that are easy to love. It was the ability to love in the hardest circumstances, even unto death. Think about Jesus on the cross. And what is he doing right to the end? Empathizing. He is. How do I know that? What what does he cry out? What is one of the prayers he cries out? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you imagine the things that he struggled with and the the things that he was suffering with in that moment? Think of the things we've gone through. I haven't been through anything like Jesus did. I know some of you have been through horrific things, and I'm not trying to minimize that. But maybe you're like, I can relate to that kind of, that kind of abuse because you've been abused. I, I get that. But I want you to think about his response. Even in the midst of terrible, awful abuse, even unto death, he was seeing their hearts, not just their actions. He was able to look past what they were doing and he was able to see someone that he loves and cares about. And he demonstrates that with that beautiful prayer, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even the worst of the worst that treated him the worst, he still was offering love and, and, and some type of acceptance, right? He was beckoning them to come. That's beautiful. That's the love that we're called to give. And that, my friends, brothers and sisters, is impossible to do without staying connected to Jesus and having his Holy Spirit fill you. Impossible. There is no self-help book. There is no steps I can give you on how to empathize better that will allow you to do it at that magnitude. It'll always break down. And I'm not saying you can't learn good things from books. You can. I've learned a lot from books. And you can learn great things in multiple circumstances on how to grow in empathy and connecting with others and be a better listener. All that, yes. But it all falls apart as soon as it gets difficult. As soon as we're hurt, as soon as we're overwhelmed, as soon as we're wounded and bitter, it falls apart. And yet, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are 
to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Wow. Wow. So that's the call. That's the call. This is going to be the thing that allows us to go and disciple the nations, teaching them to obey all that he's commanded. We have to lay it on the foundation of, as I've loved you, so also you are to love one another. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now, we recognize that this is impossible. And for those of us that are listening, that feel like, well, I don't think it's impossible. I'm pretty good at this. Lord, teach us humility. Teach us to see the impossibility of it. We don't want to fail at this because we think we're self-sufficient. And Lord, for the ones who are thinking, there's no way I'll ever live up to this. Lord, meet us today. Remind us that that's okay. That's actually a healthy place to be in, to realize that we have nothing to offer other than what you give to us. So now, Lord, coming on that, with that understanding of we are desperate for you, totally reliant on you, would you fill us today with your spirit? Would you give us your love so that we can go and love the people around us? Would you minister to us in the areas where we are wounded so that we wouldn't be pouring woundedness and hurt onto, onto those around us? Rather, Lord, that we would find healing so that we can love the way you loved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The importance of staying connected to Jesus. John 15, 5, we've obviously we've referenced this verse many times. I have too, and when we're talking about abiding. Um, but I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do. Were you helping me out? I can't hear you, but I'm hoping some of you were. Nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but you might find that discouraging. I find that verse encouraging. Encouraging. You know what? The second I think that I can do it on my own, I know my human nature. I do it on my own. I have patterned that consistently in my life. So it's a wonderful truth to realize that apart from abiding in Christ, I can do nothing. Why? Because then I know as I'm going into the world, then I know as I'm going into ministry, then I know as I'm living my life that I need to actually give margin and space for the Holy Spirit to be speaking to me and I need to spend time with him growing in that relationship with him. And that is going to be critical if we are going to answer that call to love. But I want to... I want to highlight a, a, a point here in the verse that we just went over. John 13, 34 to 35. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now, this is key in understanding this whole idea of staying connected, the importance of staying connected with Jesus. So we already know John 15, 5 says, apart from you, you can do nothing. So we know that makes sense. We need to stay connected to Jesus. But I want to take it a step further to really help define, you know, why and what we're getting from him and, and how this all works. So we need to receive before we give. You need to receive Jesus' love before you will ever be able to offer that to someone else. And what's very important here is if all you have done is received it intellectually, you're not a bad person. You're not. But if your experience with Jesus is intellectual, I'm going to venture to say that people's experience of your love is also intellectual. Because you cannot give what you have not received. I cannot share something with you that I, that I don't own. I, I cannot give you something that I haven't obtained first. Otherwise, it's just head knowledge. And so that's why it's so vital that we actually spend time with Jesus and not just at a head level, but we actually need to open up our hearts to him and allow him to minister to us and experience him at a heart level because that's when we will come alive and have something to offer to the world around us. 
Um, 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Now, uh, we're going to look at three things um, that we need to receive from Jesus in order to love big and to love like he loved. So I'm not saying these are the only three things. I would say we have to receive lots from him. But I'm going to look at three key areas that each of us need to be ministered to by him in order to love big in the world around us. And the first one is, here it's coming up, to receive forgiveness so we love much. Now you might say, we need to receive forgiveness so we love much? How is that linked to me loving my neighbor? Well, I'm going to demonstrate this, but first I want to look at a verse. Actually, it's a passage. <laughs> um, then turning towards the woman, he said, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Interesting passage, isn't it? He who has been forgiven little loves little. And somehow this woman who had been forgiven much loves much. So what's with that? What is with that? Like what's happening here that, that causes this interaction from forgiveness to love? How do these two, how does one lead into the other? Well, I think there's a, a couple of reasons that we can look at. Maybe there's many more. I'll show you two. Uh, the first one is gratitude and thankfulness. I think this is the, an easy one for us to understand. When someone does something extraordinary for you, right? The bigger the gift, the more grateful you are. I, I totally think that's a piece of why if you're forgiven much, you love much. It's a transaction. That was an amazingly big gift that you gave me. And because it was this big, I'm actually going to turn around and love this big. That's a good answer. And I believe that's true. But I think there's a second component here uh, that we often overlook. And I think it's this right here. You see, those who've been forgiven much have also experienced the come just as you are love that Jesus offers to each one of us much. See, and the experience of love like that changes you. It changes you from the inside out. And it makes you so different that you can never be the same again. And the thing is about those like me, I would feel like I was one of those sinners who, who, who I would say was the worst of these. Maybe not the worst compared to some others, but I mean, I, I did terrible things before I knew Jesus. Terrible. And I was intentional on it. And the, the thing is, I'm not saying you need to sin in order to receive this kind of love and grace. No, absolutely not. However, because there was so much sin that I had to work through, so much junk, I had encounter after encounter, experience after experience with the come just as you are love of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, each encounter has left me markedly changed. Why? I'll tell you, I, there's two things that I see out of that. It's radical. Uh, but I, I, I think one of them is empathy. Because when he says, come just as you are and he accepts you, he hears your heart. The first thing is empathy. He empathizes with us. Come just as you are. He invites you in. And the second part is, not only does he just invite you in and then he's okay with your sin. No, no. He's not okay with it. But he doesn't hold it against you. So you bring your brokenness and your shame to him. Shame says you'll never be good enough and that you're disqualified. 
And he says, come, because I, I want to qualify you. He beckons you to come. He connects with your heart. He meets you where you're at. And then he says, all of this shame, this wickedness, says, I'll forgive you. He offers you forgiveness. It's empathy and acceptance, which is transformative. This is exactly what we were talking about yesterday. We need to receive that if we're to give it an offer to others. You see, when you receive grace and when you receive mercy and when you experience empathy like that, now you have something to give to those around you. Um, years ago, I remember uh, complaining to the Lord. I've actually probably started lots of stories that way with you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, because my journal is full of real talk, <laughs> real talk. And wherever I'm at in life, if you read my journals, that's why I'll never let any of you read my journals. Uh, wherever I'm at on that day, that's what's coming out in that journal. And I'm talking to Jesus and processing with him. And there's way more good than bad, but there's raw stuff in there. Anyhow, I remember for a whole season of time complaining to the Lord, why do I have this struggle? I mean, I talk about my, you know, my testimony. I gave my life to Jesus and things were all good. Wrong. Things were all different, but they were not all good. It took years to break free from much of my addictions, especially the addiction to pornography. Years, years. And it was hard and grueling and difficult. And yet, I remember complaining to the Lord, why don't you just take this away? Think of how much more effective I could be if you would take away all my weaknesses. I mean, it's not for a lack of desire. It's not, I mean, it's not for a lack of me wanting to give the Holy Spirit control. It says, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. I was saying, okay, well then, here, fill and control me. Do, do what you want to do. Like, I would just, I almost crave for an autopilot. If I could just say, Jesus, you just control my life. I will just sit back. I don't need to live for me. I don't want to. And yet there I was trapped. And I'll still remember the day because I was driving to church here. Uh, and it was on a retreat day. So I think I was leading a set free or an empower. And I'm driving up to the building and he had never given me an answer, at least one that I thought was satisfactory. <laughs> you know how that goes. And uh, driving up to the church, and suddenly he just asks me a question. And he said, Stefan, do you want to know why I haven't taken away all your struggles? And it was one of those moments. He's done this to me a few times, and I remember each time very clearly. Because I remember where I was turning right by Timber Falls. And I said, well, I kind of laughed out loud. And I said, well, if you're, yeah, sure. I'd love to know. I'd love to know why you would just let me struggle. And then he began to encourage me. And he said, you know, one of the things that people often say about you is you're slow to judge. You're slow to judge. You're quick to empathize. You're quick to offer mercy and grace. And you love big. And I said, yeah, well, thanks, Lord. That's just because of you in me. And he said, I know. But you've learned that because of the things you've suffered and struggled through. He said, you don't judge others because you yourself know what it's like to fail again and again and again and to hate yourself for it. And because of that, you see someone else failing and your heart overflows with compassion because you know what it's like to be there. And as he spoke those words to me, I wept in my car and I said, Jesus, if that's the cost of learning to love like this, then I gladly keep my weaknesses. Now, obviously, I didn't stay in addiction and those kinds of things. But if this is the cost then I don't want you to just take it away. Use these things, redeem them in my life. Use them to make me better at loving others. And that's what we're talking about today. So you need to receive forgiveness. At the set, you know, we go through that at the set free. We're going through the confession. Why do you think you get to the cross session? If you've never been, you'll have to go when we can do them again. We're working on that. Anyways, after you go through all this confession, we hit the cross session and we're all just blubbering messes. Why is that? Why is that? 
Our hearts are overflowing with gratitude. That's exactly the first point. And overflowing with love. Why? Because we've been forgiven much. Again and again, we're realizing we're bringing our sins to him. And he says, I forgive you. I forgive you. I love you anyways. And that's beautiful. So we need to receive forgiveness to love much. Now you might be thinking, what if you don't have struggles? I would encourage you to do more self-reflection. Maybe get someone else to help you. Because we all do. We all needed saving. We all needed saving. And don't compare yourself to the person next to you. Go to scripture and read the stories of Jesus. Meditate on them. Allow them to speak to you. Look at his responses to people. And then reflect on those and allow those to examine your heart and say, Lord, show me the areas that I am broken. Show me the areas where my love is stunted, where it is small. And then bring those things to him and allow him to forgive you and to encourage you so you can love much. All right. Second point, uh, to receive comfort to comfort others. And here, a famous passage, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And if you read the whole passage, I'm not going to read it now just for the sake of time, but you should go and read it especially if you're someone who's struggling with anxiety or discouragement or, you know, hopelessness right now. That's a great passage to meditate on because Paul talks about there, he was overwhelmed to the point of despairing of life itself. Interesting, isn't it? He was overwhelmed to the point of despairing of life itself. And yet God was teaching him. He hadn't abandoned him. And maybe you're feeling right now that he's abandoned you. He hasn't abandoned you. Your struggle doesn't disqualify you. And I know it's hard to to sometimes receive a message like this, but I would encourage you, brothers and sisters, that it is this struggle that is actually going to qualify you. As, As you surrender it to Jesus, as you bring it to him and allow him to meet you in there, it is that struggle that is going to give you a heart for others, for the dying world around you. It is that struggle that is going to give you a voice to speak to others that are going through the same thing. And I know there's process in here and it's not, it's not easy. I know that. I get that. But isn't it true though? You see, who are the best people to help with addiction, like with uh, people coming out of addiction recovery? Often, not always. Often though, someone who has been, have struggled with an addiction. Who's the best person to help you through grief? Someone who's grieved. Why is that? With the comfort with which we receive, we are able to comfort others. And that is true, and it's even more so true when when we allow Jesus to redeem those brokenness, the brokenness and struggles within us. So I would encourage us, now, I'm not saying struggles automatically make you better at loving others. It's as we surrender these things over to Jesus. And I believe this is one of the reasons why the dark night of the soul can be such a powerful thing in people's lives. Once again, if you have a choice when you face struggles, are you going to choose to be bitter or better? Right? You've probably heard that saying before, bitter or better. Uh, Lecrae even has a song on that if you want to listen to it. Um, right? Bitter or better. We have a choice when we face struggles, bitter or better. If you're not going to be bitter, if you're going to be better, that's going to require you to take those struggles you are going through, whatever it is, however big, you're going to have to go to Jesus and allow him to begin ministering to you in that area. So that's how we are able to receive comfort. And there's, it's, it takes time. I totally get that. But as you come through the fire you will find those who come through the fire that are refined by it. 
they come through with this ability to love people that's different than, than, what, than they were before. Okay, let's um, move on to the next one here. And this is something else we have to receive. Now, before I really go into this one, to receive wisdom to know what to do, I just want to pause here for a moment. Remember last week, listen and empathize rather than speak, encourage rather than correct, and then meet the needs as the Holy Spirit directs, right? So that's how to go and love your neighbor. Wonderful. What I'm talking about here is how do we strengthen ourselves and how do we actually get to a place where we're able to do those things? The first two things here, receiving forgiveness to love big, uh, receiving comfort to give comfort to others is going to help us do what? Empathize, especially with those first two steps. We're going to grow in empathy and love and grace for others because we will have received that from Jesus. Now we have something. Remember, we're not just loving from our love. The world doesn't need more of me. Now my kids are probably laughing at home. Okay, but the world doesn't need more of me and they don't need more of you either. The world needs Jesus. So we need to go to him to receive his empathy, his love, his acceptance, grace, mercy. That's what we're going to give. That's the first two things. And this third one is actually going to help you meet the need as the Holy Spirit directs. Because wisdom to know what to do isn't, we should not take it for granted that we will always know. Now, sometimes it's easy, like I alluded to before. Uh, Think about, you know, you know someone needs, oh, I know someone needs a winter jacket. I have an extra winter jacket. I'm going to give my winter jacket. That's exciting. Well, that's easy to know what to do. Um, John and James are very clear on that, right? If you see a brother or sister in need, provide. Provide for them as you are able. And I think there's huge blessing in that. But it's not always that easy, is it? It's not always that easy as we're trying to balance truth and love and how do I stand for truth and do this at the, you know, and, and love them at the same time. And it seems like people are either are truth speakers and they hurt others or they're, they just love people, but they don't ever stand for truth and both seem to have a pro and a con to it. And we're trying to find this balance in the middle and it's impossible to find without the Holy Spirit. Um, wouldn't we love it if, if, you know, right or wrong in the sense of what am I supposed to do as I love people was as easy as morality? You see, you know what I love about morality? It's black and white. It is. It's black and white. It's either immoral or it's moral. It's easy in that sense. I'm not saying it's easy to always follow those laws, uh, but there is right, ultimate right, and ultimate wrong. The issue that we encounter, though, is life isn't just black and white. As we go out into the real world, you're going to encounter this expanse of gray. And you're saying, well, are you saying there's, I mean, it's not right or wrong? Like, is that, can we say that? Yes, I can. And what I mean by that is this. You're going to encounter situations and people where it feels like there's five options or two options, and both could be right or could be wrong, depending on the context or what's going on in the situation. So how do we know? How do you know? Now, some of you are sitting here listening, and you're like, that's exactly my problem. That's why I just don't do anything, right? Because I don't know what to do, so I just sit back and I don't do anything. Well, that's, that's a good place to start, not a good place to end. Others are sitting here and saying, well, I... <laughs> I don't struggle with an expanse of gray. I know exactly what's truth and what's not truth. And I just say it as it is. And if you're like that, God bless you. But you don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. Look at this, Ecclesiastes. For everything there is a season, a time for everything, for every matter under under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up uh, what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, 
a time to break down and a time to build up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. Hmm. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace. And then there's a time to refrain from embracing. Huh. A time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. My question to you remains today, do you know what time it is? In any given situation that you're in, do you have Wisdom enough to know what God is doing in every situation? I have found that I'm woefully short of the wisdom that I require in my flesh. But I'm not the only one. <laughs> Job's friends fell for this trap too. Because sometimes we, 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 you know, we just kind of shrink it down to uh, right and wrong. Let's just make it about knowing true things and speaking the truth. Job's friends thought they knew enough truth about God to speak into their friend's life about what God was doing. This is what they said. If you prepare your heart, I have it on, yep. If you prepare your heart, you will stretch out your hands towards him. If iniquity is in your hand, put it far away. Let not injustice dwell in your tents. Surely then you will lift up your face without blemish. You will be secure and will not fear. How many of you just heard that verse and thought, ooh, harsh, they shouldn't have said that? I didn't. I mean, well, I did because I put it here. <laughs> but I wouldn't if I'm looking at it objectively, you know, just looking at it. No, you would look at that and say, that sounds like truth. So Job's going through a hard time. You're trying to encourage him. You're going to share with him truth. That's what they were trying to do. And yet, did they hit the mark? And the answer is no, they didn't hit the mark. Look what it says here in Job 42, 7. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, my anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. You see, in this case, Probably it would have been better had they been silent. Remember a time to be silent, a time to speak? I know sometimes you think, yeah, but if it's true, if it's true, we just, we just share it. That's not what wisdom is. You see, wisdom will instruct you to know when to speak and when to stay silent. And that's what Job's friends were missing. It's not that everything they said was a lie in the sense of it was not accurate about God. The problem is it wasn't what God was doing in Job's life. They missed the mark because they were giving this truth, but actually that's not where Job was. That's not where Job was. And they didn't take the time to listen and find out first from the Lord. Um, we need perspective. That's really what I'm getting at. To have wisdom, you need perspective. And to get perspective, we need to go to Jesus for that. Um, years ago, also driving to church, I get lots of stories driving to church. Uh, my, my drives here, they're short but eventful. Anyways, driving with my family, we're on bush farm driving and there's this rattling noise and it's super annoying because it's clearly rattling from my wife's door uh, in the passenger seat and she's not doing anything to stop it. I mean, who does that? Who hears a rattling sound and it's like clearly something's in your door going and you're not doing anything to stop it. I'm like, hey, finally, I'm like, hey, would you please stop whatever's in the door rattling? She looks at me quickly. <laughs> That's in your door. And I'm like, no, it's not. My door is not rattling. That's clearly coming from your door. And she said, no, it's not. It's coming from your door. I can hear it. I said, yeah, I know. I can hear it too out of my right ear. That way. She's like, no, out of this ear, my kids in the back are just shaking their heads probably or getting annoyed at us for bickering over something so small and trivial. Anyways, 
Suddenly it hit us as we're driving and going back and forth because I'm right, she's right, I'm right, she's right. Really, I was right, she was wrong. She just didn't realize it yet. That's probably what she was thinking about me. And then suddenly it happened. I think it was my wife that all of a sudden goes to the sunglasses holder in this console above our heads here in the middle, and she pushes on it. My sunglasses were rattling. Interesting, right? Why is it interesting? Because we both burst out laughing. Why? Because we were both right and yet both wrong. Why? We didn't have perspective. See, we didn't see the whole picture. We couldn't see the whole picture. In my mind, it was clear. It was so incredibly clear where that sound was coming from. Right side, right door. And equally so, it was so incredibly clear to my wife, left sound, left door. And we knew exactly who was responsible for changing those rattles. And yet both of us were right and both of us were wrong. It was coming from right ear and left ear, but it was coming from the center, something we couldn't see. I will never forget that lesson. Why? Because it illustrates, even in small things, I lack perspective. So we could learn. We can learn from each other. We can learn. This is why it's really important with the wisdom step, why we listen and empathize first instead of speaking, because you're going to get a lot of context from people. You will. You'll get context and perspective from people. But I'll tell you, even once you've heard them, you're still going to need a greater sense of context and perspective. You cannot have it without the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the only one who sees absolutely all. Think about it. He was led onto two hills to die. Did he die in the first one? No. They dragged him to the edge of a cliff. They were going to kill him. He walked out in their midst. The next time they brought him to Golgotha, he let himself be crucified. Right? Wisdom, perspective. He knew what God was doing. He knew when it was his time and he knew when it was not his time. And he responded accordingly. We have the Holy Spirit to fill and guide us in this way. And it's exciting. And you don't have to worry. I know you're thinking, well, what if I get it wrong? What if you do? What if you do? If your heart is right and you're trying, yes, it's going to be messy and you might make mistakes and you'll learn from them. And then keep going. And you'll find as you keep going, the Holy Spirit will just kind of lead you in a direction because he loves it when we ask him for, for wisdom and then we respond and go and love people. Uh, uh, first James. <laughs> the only James, 1 verse 5, says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Ask him. The context of this verse was actually in trouble, in trials, in struggles. Ask him for wisdom. He wants to give it to you. Right? So listen to people, learn from people, ask God for wisdom. You can ask other people for wisdom as well. Perspective. That's what I'm getting at. So we need to grow in empathy and we need to grow in perspective and we need to receive those things from Jesus if we're going to love people through, his, through Jesus. Right? If we're going to share Jesus' love with others, we need to receive Jesus' love for ourselves. All right. Um, you remember last week I talked about uh, my family, how they responded to me? It was wonderful, wasn't it? Uh, at least I thought so. I hope you did. I actually heard some feedback and it was encouraging to some of you. So I'm glad. I'm glad that our successes and failures uh, can be on display for you and it can be an encouragement for you, either on the things to do or the things not to do. Um, but going back to that story, after I had given my life to Christ, uh, remember, you know, I said they were always encouraging and listening and empathizing with me, which they did. But I've had two times that my dad gave me a correction. Two times. And you're like, oh, I thought you said he didn't do that. He was an encourager. Yeah, he was. For basically all of a decade, that's most of my, almost all of my interactions with him were encouraging, meeting me where I was, accepting me, loving me just for who I am. Twice though, 
as he felt the Holy Spirit prompting him, he spoke and corrected me and he gave me a correction. And he did it in love and grace through much prayer and contemplation and conferring with my, my mom, I bet. I'm sure because they're always on the same page together. And the one time it was because of my anger issues that I had. And he worried because he was raised in a home with an angry father. And he was concerned that I was going to, you know, let my anger destroy my family the same way that his father's anger had, had damaged his family. And so he wrote me this beautiful letter and he said, I love you just the way you are. I'm not trying to control you. I'm not, I'm not trying to do any of those things. But he painted me a picture and he said, but if I, I always see you as a friend. And if I came by your house one day and I saw your house was on fire, what kind of friend would I be if I didn't tell you that there was a fire? And so I'm just telling you there's a fire. I love you anyways. You don't have to respond. I'm not going to be mad at you. And he left it at that. I've never forgotten those words. Right? And he did it another time as well. And I won't go into the details of that one, but he did it again when I was doing, I, was pr- I wasn't prioritizing my family. I was giving too much to ministry. And he corrected me there again. I listened to him. Why? Because he showed wisdom. He wasn't trying to control me or fix me. He wasn't. He demonstrated over and over and over again the love, the, the listening, the empathy, the come just as you are. He demonstrated that, the encouraging. But then he was listening to the Holy Spirit for those times when he should speak. And because he wasn't speaking all the time out of turn, when he spoke, I listened. Now again, I'm not saying listening to the Holy Spirit for advice is going to guarantee you success in every situation. It won't. But it will guarantee that you, well, guarantee, but it will ensure that you're moving down the right path, that you're loving people the best way that, can, that they can be loved. And that's what this is all about. So let's take a look at uh, the final point here, and then I actually want to do uh, practicum together. So, because I really want to put this into, into practice. That's what Learn to Love is all about. I love learning the principles, uh, but then the, the, the most joy comes from going and applying the principles right? The practices, going out and being the hands and feet of Jesus. All right, so before I go into here on, you know, how do we connect with Jesus so that we can love others, I just want to make sure we're on the same page on this. First um, John four eleven to 12 says something very interesting. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Here that same command is again. This is right throughout scripture, right? He loved us, we love others. That's how it goes, right? We receive so that we give. Uh, No one has ever seen God. If we have love for one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Full stop here and pause that. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Okay, so we've talked about in the Learn to Love series in the small groups, we talked about fear bonds and attachment styles, those kinds of things. And we've looked at, you know, we've, we've talked about different struggles we can have, relational circuits, those kinds of things. One of the things we need to overcome fear, Scripture says right in this passage, is we need to be perfected in love. The primary way, according to here, that we do this is by abiding in God. And how do we do that? By loving one another. There's, there's multiple ways. So, and the reason why I wanted to point this out is because I think sometimes, you know, some of us would just rather, I'm just going to grow with my relationship with just Jesus, and that's all I need. And I'll tell you something, yes and no. <laughs> Yes, he's all you need. That's the first and greatest commandment. But the second, which is like it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And he's made it in such a way that actually you're limited in how far you can grow this way if you're not going to pour out this way. So if all I'm going to do is receive, think of it like a, think of it like a bucket, right? If all I'm going to do is receive God's love, I'm going to grow to the extent or measure of my bucket, whatever I can hold. 
And then once it's full, it's full. But if I'm not a conduit pouring that out onto others, once it's full, I'll get stagnant. You'll, you'll be limited in how far you grow. But as we love others, as I pour out, what ends up happening, think of that water analogy, right? Then more water is flowing in. We, we become like a conduit. That's why as we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So it's a both and. If you just pour yourself out for others, your bucket's going to run dry, right? If you just allow Jesus to be filling you, it's going to stop. You're going to be capped. It's both. And you might say, well, like, what if you're focusing on one more than the other? I would say do both. Do both. We should be focusing on both. Sometimes with an emphasis on one or the other, I totally get that because we'll go through seasons, but do both. We need to think conduit. As I receive from Jesus, I go and give to others. And that's the beautiful thing. So let's look at though a very valuable tool. I think it's valuable. A tool that's going to help us. What do we do in the moment? Remember, staying connected to Jesus is the goal. But have you ever found a time when you felt like you disconnected from him? And have you ever found that those times, and usually, I'm, I'm sure you're all saying yes or nodding your heads. Usually what we find is the times when we need him the most, right? Like the bottom falls out. I'm angry. I'm, oh, someone's attacking me or, or something went wrong. I'm anxious. Something happened at work, finances, sickness, health. It's, we, we suddenly get overwhelmed and it's in that moment where we lose connection to Jesus. Uh, it's kind of like, um, you know, we all have our devices and in COVID world, uh, we're, we rely lots on reception, don't we? right? On our Wi-Fi and our how many bars do we got on here? We rely on that. So I rely on this to watch services and prayer summit. I rely on it uh, for news. I rely on it for communication with people. I rely on it for media. I rely on it for lots of things, right? I mean, we, we rely on media for lots of things, for downloading things off the internet. Or if I go to Google and I have a question, right? You need wisdom if you want to know what Google wants you to do, ask and it'll gladly tell you, right? Isn't that what it says? That's not where you're going to learn to love people. But anyways, we rely on typing it in, hit enter, answer comes. But what happens if you don't have a strong connection? You ever had it where you suddenly lose? Even in Steinbeck, my basement is, is bad for this. Even in Steinbeck, in my basement, I will all of a sudden lose all of my connection on my phone. And suddenly I'm not able to do, I'm not able to connect. I'm not able to get the information, the critical information that I need. And that is a good way of looking at it, right? So we can all relate to that, I think, because we live in a digital world. In the same way, we are supposed to stay connected with Jesus. But that connection isn't always full strength, is it? Right? Sometimes it's, it's lowering. Maybe we're down to two or three bars. or Maybe we're down to zero bars and we have zero connection with him. And I would say it's in the zero connection times. We've lost signal. That's usually where we end up either falling into sin or we need some kind of damage repair. So what do we do when we sense that I'm not connected to Jesus, I'm not connected to the person in front of me, I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired, I'm stressed, what do we do? That's what we're going to look at. And we're going to practice it together. All right, um, star. We're going to look at star. So what is star? Star is a tool, uh, and we, we've taught it before in better relationships, and we teach it in Learn to Love. Uh, we've also used it in sales, and it's also in the way. So it's in the church renewal as well. So it's a great tool to help us connect to God and to stay connected to him. So what is the purpose of STAR? It stands for four different steps. So we're going to look at those steps and then we're going to try it because that's the best way to actually learn and grow is to do it. So first one is stop. This is probably one of the hardest ones. If you can do this one, you are well on the way to mastering STAR. 
Because what happens is when we're stressed, what, what ends up happening is we just either I know I'm just going to pull away or I'm going to attack. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to deal with this. We're going to deal with it right now and we're going to fix it because that's the only way to make things better. I'm going to venture to say that if that's your opinion, you're usually ending up controlling people or situations. So we need to learn the value of just simply stopping. Stop. And you might say, what if I can't stop? Well, if you can't stop, you know what I've learned to use? Things like the bathroom. Yeah, you can do that. You know, in almost any situation, it's socially acceptable to go to the bathroom. You know how many times I've gone to the bathroom to calm down? I'm not going to tell you. Many times. Many times. Gather my thoughts. You can do that. And you can also do it sometimes just internally. It can happen. So science has shown us many times that when we're tired, overwhelmed, uh, we lose the ability to think creatively. We lose the ability to see others for who they are. And we lose the ability to empathize and stay connected with both the people around us and with God. So the first step is just stop. Simply stop. Then we go on to the next step, which is take a breather and calm down. Have you ever heard anyone tell someone before? Maybe you've been the one that's received this. Just calm down already. <laughs> usually it's said in anger. It's always funny how that works because usually the person who's saying calm down also needs to calm down. Uh, usually the best thing to say would be something more like, we should just calm down already. Uh, but nonetheless, here we are. Many of us have heard that. Calm down or take a breath. Seriously, breathe. Um, right? Usually said by someone who's getting overwhelmed or anxious by our own anxiety or anger, or whatever's going on in the world around them. So take a breather. So first we stop. We just stop, be still, and know that God is God. This is all about reconnecting to Jesus. Second, we take a breather and we calm down. Isaiah 30, 15 says, it's in quietness, or it's in quietness and trust shall be your strength. In rest, uh, you shall be saved. Right? So, so look at that. Psalm says, I've calmed and quieted my soul. So in moments of anxiety, uh, whether in a stressful situation, dealing with conflict, we can practice stillness and then just simply take a few deep breaths and relax your body. And this is part of what scripture calls self-control, right? Self-control isn't about not allowing God to control you. No, it's not about that, but it's about controlling our, learning to control our emotions and our bodies. So we learn to control them. We calm ourselves down. Take a deep breath. Now what do we do? If you can stop, take a deep breather, calm yourself down. Now we move on to appreciate and connect with Jesus. Psalms 100 says, we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. This is the best part. There is no better way to connect with Jesus than through worship. Worship and praise, that's it. That is it. That is the best way to have your heart drawn close to God and to experience his presence. Absolutely, yes. So, that's exactly what we do with appreciation. So we access things. I know we talked about that in session two in the Learn to Love small group modules. Uh, we talked about the power of gratitude. This is the place to practice gratitude and appreciation. And I would say um, the easiest thing, you know, it's when you're overwhelmed especially, don't try to think of something new here. Instead, I like to go back to the same things over and over again. One of the ones I love going back to is come just as you are. I use that all the time. And you hear me talk about it all the time. Why? It's a powerful memory of a time when I felt close to Jesus where he saw me in the worst, the worst moment I was in. And he said, I love you anyways. So that is a great thing to go to. I access that memory and I go there and I say, oh, okay, I focus on it. I begin to praise Jesus and I allow my heart to start warming up to Jesus loves me just the way I am. And that does what? 
That's a powerful way to get me connected back to Jesus. Now, I, now I'm starting to be able to see the situation and the person in front of me more clearly. And I can go to step four, which is now I respond in faith and love. Okay, so now the response, this is wisdom from above. Once you have God's heart for people, once you have God's heart for people, now you're ready to love in action and in word. And I cannot stress this enough, and we're going to do it together. Yeah, we're going to do an exercise together. So I cannot stress this enough um, that we take the time. I know sometimes we want to skip those first three and run, and run straight to the response. And I'll remind you of 1 Corinthians 13, uh, which says if we do all the good things, if we have all the faith, we can move mountains, we have all the wisdom, we, we know exactly what to say. If we give up our bodies to be burned, but we have not love, we gain nothing. So those first three steps in the star are to teach us to connect to God's love. So I want you just to take a moment and I want you just to think of a person or a situation that you have been experiencing that is difficult to love. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a stranger, co-worker, but for whatever reason, they just hurt you, they don't see you, they seem like they're constantly against you, they don't have your back. Okay, I just want you to think about it. Right now we're thinking about the negative. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Angry? Rejected? hurt? All right. Now I want us to stop. Let's take a stop. We're going to go straight into, we're going to take three deep breaths. I want you just to take a breath in and then out. In. out in and out now we're going to go right into appreciation and connecting with Jesus so before the message started we had that song remember how we were focusing on what Jesus saved us from where he met us I want you to focus on that again what did he save you from? When he looked at you and said, son or daughter, I know your name. I know what you've done. What was on his list that he saw in you? Were you someone that was harsh and bitter? Addictions, abusive. Maybe you just had anxiety or self-hatred. Maybe you struggled with integrity, bad character, hopelessness, despair. And Jesus saw you. He said, I know your name. I love you anyways. I want you to focus on that. Come just as you are, love. How does that feel? Can you feel grateful that he loves you just the way you are?
Now we're going to move on to respond. Lord Jesus, we need your wisdom. That person that's been so difficult to love, who's been hurting us, and it's hard. Lord, we want to love them the way you love us, in their weaknesses. Not demanding they change first, but actually loving them just the way they are, the way you did with us. So Jesus, can you speak to us this morning? How do you see this individual? And what is our response to be to them? he said to me, he told me to go back to encourage rather than correct. What did he tell you? This is the joy of following Jesus. This is the highest calling that he's given us. As I have loved you, Jesus says to you today, so also are you to love one another. It is our jobs to bear his image in the world. He left and said it's better that he goes because he was giving his Holy Spirit to the church. We are now his hands and feet. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. It's our job to carry on that mission of love to the world around us. Lord Jesus, we ask for you to fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with love for others. Fill us with love for you. Give us perspective and wisdom as we go out and bear your image to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for our weekend message. If you have any needs or prayer requests, please give us a call at 204-326-9020 or email prayer at myselfland.com. Once again, our phone number is 204-326-9020 and the email address is prayer at myselfland.com.